I'm also so glad you're here. Um, I, I'm, I'm just want to say, you know, I imagine it's incredibly disappointing to have Trey in the house and not get to be able to hear him speak. He's awesome, but uh, he's been off uh, getting educated and stuff, so we're giving him a break. Um, anyway, uh, I have some stuff that I'm excited to share with you. Uh, I feel a little bit like uh, John Wesley, who, well, I mean, that's, that sounds horrible. It's like, like I'm this famous person. But uh, John Wesley, he always said, well, what you, what's the secret to your power? And he says, or, why do people come to see you and so forth? And he says, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. I kind of am feeling like that a little bit, you know, where it's like... A bunch of energy. But anyway, so, um, so the message here is, uh, as a person thinks, so is he, or so he is. I couldn't find a, uh, a satisfactory unisex version of that one, so you just have to put up with the, the author of that. But that's, uh, that's a powerful, powerful statement. There's a, there's a big reason why that whole scripture is talking about that in particular, but um, as it relates to us and what we're talking about today, as a person thinks, so he is. Our thinking is who we are and what we're all about and so forth. The good news is, if you need to change, if you want to change, you have that ability to be able to do that, and so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit here today. Um, it, it goes along with what I do at, for uh, my career, is helping people uh, as a psychologist to, to work with their thinking. Um, let's go to the next slide here. Uh, my wife and I, we, we were just on a little vacation uh, down in Mexico, and, and I went, we, went to this one, um, we went to this one place where it, it was uh, a place, a really cool place where you could go mountain biking, and uh, I got in the cab, and we, we drove out there, and it was a long ways away, and I started thinking about if I had to return, I would have no idea how to tell the person the, the path to go and so forth, you know, and it just, it occurred to me about, you know, when you're a passenger, you don't think that clearly or that carefully about where you're going and so forth. So I thought I, this, this made me think about what I'm talking about here today, you know, driving directions. As I said here in that first line, when you're a passenger, you don't really pay attention to the path taken to arrive at a destination. But if you have to return at some point, if, you're, if you know it's your responsibility to get us back here again, you're going to be paying attention on a whole nother level. And um, I, I thought of that as it relates to what I'm talking about, because I know some of the stuff that I'm talking about isn't something that, uh, well, let me say it like this. I don't think every person here needs therapy. <laughs> I think therapy is good for everybody, but I don't think that every single person here needs therapy right now. But I, I want you to I want you to know that at some point you're gonna need to drive to get back to this destination. And some of the stuff I'm 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 gonna be giving to you is things that I share with my clients to be able to help them with the difficulty that they're experiencing. And I, and it is a path that works for sure. 
okay? It's for sure. It's, it's not a, it might work if you try it. It will work for sure. And there's a, besides the fact that it's scriptural, it is also has a lot of sep- uh, scientific data that supports that as well. Um, and I see it work as well. So, uh, so I want to talk about it that way. Then the other thing is, um, a lot of times, fortunately, most of the time in our church, that's not the case, but a lot of times there'll, there'll be lessons that we hear, and then it's like, okay, how do, I, how do I translate that into my daily life? You know, like you hear a great lesson on, you just need to walk by faith. Just be a man of faith. Just be a woman of faith. Oh, all right. What, what does that mean? How do I... How do I do that? What, what is that? When it gets down to, uh, I still have a bad attitude when this happens, and I still have this when this happens, and I still, I get sick, and how do I believe, you know, all those kinds of things. It's like, you know, again, it's, it's driving directions. You have, to, you have to know really how to work the thing out. And so some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about is really, specific driver driving directions you know um uh, uh, uh we have the the guts of what it takes to to change which is our relationship with god the the word of god the uh, prayer coming to church and all of those kinds of things but then when it gets down to as a man thinks so he is if we want to change who we are we have to have a really good understanding of how to change how we think. And uh, let's go to the next slide. So a path towards spirituality goes through our thinking. I'm not sure that's grammatically correct, but, um, but I think you get the idea. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I, I probably talk about this every single time I get up here, but um, I'm going to do it again anyway. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So our life is about serving God. Why we're here on earth is about serving God. If it just wanted us to be blessed and stuff, he would, the moment we get saved, take us to heaven. Because everything, nobody's going to be disappointed when we get to heaven. Oh, God, I wanted to go to the Caribbean. God, I wanted to go to the Mediterranean. What the heck? Nobody's going to be disappointed when you get to heaven. It's going to be awesome. There's nothing better on earth than what's in heaven. And so why would he keep us here on earth? It is to grow in our faith, and it is to touch and help and reach other people, okay? And that's our children, our grandchildren, and, and beyond, our friends, our coworkers, and so forth. It's about living our lives as a sacrifice. And, and we don't deserve to have the, the great life that we have anyway, so we have this obligation, and in that is that fulfillment that happens in our lives. So what does it look like? Well, don't go along with the world. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. You know, you've probably heard me say, or other people say, metamorphosis by the renewing of your mind. That word transform is what the word we get metamorphosis from. And remember... It is caterpillar to a butterfly, a tadpole to a frog. Radical change that's happening, and this is talking to Christian people. So he's not talking about from a sinner to a saint. He's talking about an immature Christian to a mature Christian through the renewing of your mind that you may prove what your purpose is here on the earth. 
okay? What the will of God is, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Then in Romans chapter 8, which uh, I heard some person say that the whole Bible is, is the hinging point of the door of the Bible is on Romans chapter 8, which is just so powerful, that entire chapter. Anyway, it says, for those who are in accord with the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And if you don't know what the flesh is, there's uh, Galatians chapter 5 will tell you about the works of the flesh, all the stuff that's involved there, jealousy and hatreds and all kinds of, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but those who are in accord with the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Okay? So the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Glad there's some distance between me and the first row. I'm spitting all over the place, so I apologize for that. Life and peace. That's awesome. Eh? Abundant life. So... That's one of those things. It's like, okay, that's nice. How do we set our mind on the Spirit? You know, that's one, another one of those great sermons. Be led by the Spirit. Just have a Spirit-led life. You know, it's, it's just uh, easier said than done. And so there's some, some, some specifics on how to do, go about doing that. Now, let's take a look at some people that... Um, that almost miss their destiny as a result of their thinking not getting straight. Let's go to the next slide. So destiny was at risk due to erroneous thinking. Uh, Ten of the 12 spies in, in that, Moses sent the 12 spies out into the uh, promised land. They hadn't gone in there yet. Sent them out to spy it out. Let's check it out. This promised land is flowing with milk and honey. So they went out and they found, and they went out through, they crossed the river Jordan, went into the, found that the land was flowing with milk and honey. And they, they had one cluster of grapes. It took two men to be able to carry it back. And it was amazing. But at the same time, they saw these, all the people that lived there, including the giant that were there, and they got kind of freaked out about that, and, uh, and they started thinking about it. So they came back, and they shared with all of the people uh, of Israel what, what they saw in the land uh, that God had promised to them. He had promised this land to them, and yet they said, you know, yeah, it's really nice over there, but there are some big guys over there. We don't know how we're going to have this victory because they're massive. And then they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight, okay? So how do you imagine that they heard that these guys were thinking about them as grasshoppers, okay? They didn't. They couldn't. They didn't know. They didn't have a conversation with them and say, hey, you know, the Israelites, what are, what are you guys thinking about them? They're grasshoppers. They didn't, they didn't have that conversation with them. They projected how they thought about them. Railing me here for a moment. Hang on. Uh, where was I? <laughs> okay. We were all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. So the word on the streets in the promised land was that the, is, the children of Israel are to be greatly feared. But what prevented them from going into the promised land 
until many, many, many years later was how they thought about themselves as being incapable of actually embracing and living in the promises that God had for them. It was their thinking that prevented them from being able to do that. Okay, so we want to be sure that our thinking in any way prevents us from receiving the promises that God has for us. The hindrance is not God. The hindrance is not even the devil because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and gives us the power. We tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. And we have the name of Jesus, which is above all name, that every knee must bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our Lord. We have power and strength over that. We want to make sure that our thinking is not preventing us from entering into the promised land that we have today available to us. Gideon was another guy. Uh, he was hiding out in uh, the, the wine press, grinding uh, grain for his, to feed his family, and the angel came and said, yo, you mighty man of valor, or it says here in this particular, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And he's like, what? He, he's hiding out because he's so afraid. And, and, um, and then they, and I'm not going to go into that big long story because time is flying by. But he said, he gave him instructions. Here's what I want you to do to, to overtake the Midianites and drive them out of Israel and you take over this place. And he said, when you go to attack them, you say, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And Gideon. He didn't need to add and Gideon, but he did. That's what the, the angel told him. So to me, and I know, I know this is totally speculation on my part, but to me, it's about Gideon, you need to rise up in the way that you think about yourself to realize that my promises and my power and my destiny are for you. You've got what it takes to be able to do that. Okay, but his his thinking had kept him in a wine press, hiding from the enemies of God, trying to eke out a, leave, a living. And then Timothy, uh, who was hanging around with Paul, traveling the world with Paul. Imagine being the guy who helps Paul in ministry. And, um, and, and then Paul writes to him. He says, Timothy, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that, that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I want to remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline, or a sound mind. So our thinking, just as, as Timothy, his thinking, his fear, his self-consciousness or whatever it happened to be could have prevented him from fulfilling the, the destiny that God had for his life, and Paul was addressing that, okay? You, you don't have a spirit of fear, timidity, but you have power, love, and sound mind. So as it relates to driving directions, I want to give uh, some things from psychotherapy, from uh, psychology. Let's go to the next slide here. I hope we can read those. Um, these, are, these are very famous uh, tips from um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the most well uh, supported by evidence, um, effective therapy in the world. Um, 
And these are some of the stuff that, that comes up. These are habits. We want to we wanna make sure that we're, we're uh, attuned to the habits that might prevent us from receiving and living out the promises that God has for us. So, um, so here they are. There's nine of them. Uh, the I can't have it. You automatically conclude that you're not capable of meeting a new challenge. So it's like you, you dismiss yourself from being able to have the capability to accomplish it from the beginning. The catastrophizing habit, okay? It's, this is the, the ultimate of anxiety where you decide in advance what the results are going to be and it's not going to be good. And so as a result of that, massive anxiety happens. The all or nothing habit. I see this a ton. My, my practice is on the plateau and there are high expectations. I work mostly with teenagers. They have high expectations. You know, it's the, it's the uh, Ricky Bobby syndrome. Second place is the first loser. You know, um, if you don't have a 4.0, why, why bother? I literally have had people, parents say to us, you need to get my child to get a 4.0 and a 1600 on the SAT. That's what your job is. And you need to tell them that boys don't matter. Okay. What matters is a 1600 and a 4.0. It's all or nothing, perfection or nothing, you know. And I tell them, it's not my job, number one. <laughs> number two, you need help. <laughs> no, I don't say that. Well, maybe I do. I'm not exactly. Anyway, um, yeah, all or nothing, you know, it's like uh, an A minus is just not acceptable, you know. I mean, it's just, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. Zooming in on the negative habit, you get stuck thinking over and over again about your disappointing or embarrassing experiences and filter out everything positive. You know, we relive our uh, past experiences that are a bummer again and again and again. And um, there's a reason for that. There's a physiological reason for that because our cognitive memories are connected with the emotion of that. And so it's much more uh, accessible. It's much more triggered because just like uh, a specific incident reminds you if it's exact, very similar to a, a situation that you had now that happened before, the image of that will come up. Well, when you experience... Uh, an emotion, it's, it's going to trigger that circumstance where you felt that emotion last time. That's why a lot of times in marriages where you've been, like say you've been married for a really long time, um, and yet you get into argument and, you, and you're so angry or they're so angry, you feel like, are we any different than we ever have been before? And it's because that the anger is is just an emotion, but we, but we connect it with the anger that we had before when there was this memory that said, holy cow, we were arguing like that when we were very first marriage. What's wrong with us? Are we not changing at all? You know, and, and so we, we, we have to be aware that, that these memories and emotions, the cognitive part, they, they, they're connected together, and we got to fight that, and I'll talk about that in just a few moments. Let's go to the next slide. Wait, did I already do... Did I do the last one? I, sorry. Last one. Okay. Uh, the I should, you should habit. And Christians are really good at this. I think all religions are. But Christians are especially good at this. You know, we, we, we it, it is an immature Christian, and, and I'm including myself in that, where we are looking at the Bible as a legal uh, 
direction for our lives, okay? Because our the, really where we want to be led is by the Spirit, not by the law. The New Testament has, has enough things that we can find to have a lot of shoulds in it. Even if we completely limit the Old Testament, which we shouldn't, but even if we do, there's enough stuff in the New Testament where it's just full of shoulds. You should be going to church. You should be tithing. You should be, and you should be, and you should be, and you should be. You should be serving. If you really care, if you love God, you, should, you know, should, 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 you know, and, and, uh, and we want to be as obedient to the scripture as we possibly can be. But when it comes down to should, you we're talking about we're talking about control and legalism and judgment and all of those kinds of things. And uh, like like uh, one one of uh, one of my colleagues likes to say, "Don't should on yourself." You know, you should just should not should on yourself. You need to get free from that. That's a, that's a PG-13. <laughs> anyway, the fortune-telling habit, you jump to the conclusion that you're certainly going to mess up or that a future event will be a disappointment, okay? Um, I think that's self-explanatory. The mind-reading habit, you jump to the conclusion that someone else is thinking about you and that the thought is critical. This makes you feel unsure of yourself and anxious. Quickly, um, uh, no, I'm going to skip it. If you're, if you're a parent of an adolescent, come to me. I want to make you aware of something here with a mind-reading habit just to help you uh, to understand your teenager a little bit better. The blaming habit. You either think it's my fault and feel guilty and shame or it's somebody else's fault and you're about being angry and resentful towards them. And then it's not fair habit. All right? Okay. So as we're examining... As a man thinks, so is he, and we realize, okay, there's something that I'm stuck on. Maybe it's one of these nine things, one of these things that you see coming up consistently in your mind, and it's preventing you from changing. It's preventing you from growing. And remember, this Remember, this may not be the case for you right now, but I guarantee you it will at some point in your life, okay? This is going back to the driving directions, all right? Um, so I'm getting into some really specific things here in just a second here. So you want to identify whenever it is in your life, whether it's now or later, or um, what is it that I really want to have different, and what is the thought sets surrounding that? So a specific target, an attitude, a habit, an addiction, a fear, an anger, whatever it happens to be, identify something that you really want to tackle and go after. Let's go to the next next slide here. This is kind of the core uh, component of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's called the cognitive triangle. So at the top there, it says there's a triggering event. Something happens that sets, that sets you off, okay? And it could, it could be a number of different things. It could go immediately to the thought, and then the emotions are a result of the thoughts, and then the actions are a result of the emotions. Or it could be immediately it causes a reaction to you as an action or an emotion. But a triggering event, some, something happens, and there's a response from you, okay? The, the easiest thing to, to deal with to make change is to address the thought aspect of it because um, if you can change your thought, then the thoughts will produce a different emotion and the emotions, a different emotion then will change, will, will bring about a different action. All right, next thing. 
I'm going to get a little more specific about that. I know I'm blazing through this pretty quickly. Um, I want to make a comment about automatic negative thoughts. There is a neural network that's been created in our brains, all of us that have these automatic negative thoughts, which we all do, due to the, in, the frequency and intensity of the thoughts and emotions that are a part of that, to the point where we don't even recognize the path to the negative conclusion. So it's like, um, like at work you screw up, and the next thought is, oh my gosh, this is the third time this happened, I'm, I'm in big trouble. Oh my gosh, my manager doesn't like me. Oh my gosh, I'm probably going to get suspended. The next thing is, I'm going to get fired. We're going to be in financial disaster. Ah, we're going down. It's going to be the worst. And that happens so frequently that a, uh, if that is the example, it happens so frequently that it goes like, this thought goes to this thought, goes to this thought, goes to this thought, goes to this thought, and our brain literally creates a neural network that shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. It's going to get the quickest path it can, so it, your, your brain literally grows together when that, that pattern happens again and again and again and again and again to the point where now, rather than going from this synapse to that synapse to that synapse to that synapse to that synapse, it just takes a shortcut and goes from one to the next. So automatic negative thought is exactly that. And you say, well, there's a bunch of things that happened in between here and there that you don't even recognize anymore. And it is because of that physical change that's happened inside of our brain. And we have said again and again and again and again. So we start in one place. Like, for, let me give you another example. Sore throat. I better check into the hospital. You know, sore throat. I've probably got COVID. I'm going down. You know, I, I, I mean, it's and 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 there was a whole bunch of thoughts initially that happened between sore throat and COVID. I'm going to die. You know, but but they've happened so many times that we don't notice it, and it's grown together like that. People can develop a, a, a mindset of health rather than sickness, but it takes work to undo that automatic negative thought. And the problem is, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, um, the problem is that the, the connection between uh, the, the thought and the emotion makes it so much more powerfully imprinted in our mind that when we start having positive thoughts, it's much more difficult. So we have to unravel this automatic negative thought with a positive thought. So let me, let's go to this next slide. And um, this is the process. So we have to develop a list of credible truths to combat and replace the automatic negative thoughts. You choose your catastrophic thought. It can be this one that I put up. I was just thinking because of the, uh, the Dow Jones and $8 a gallon gas and all of the rest of this stuff that's happening. I think there's probably a few people that are freaking out about finances and all of those kinds of things. And so that catastrophic thought is thus and such, for example. Okay? So you have to develop a credible truth that you will believe. And by credible, I mean you will believe it. You yourself can believe it. Okay? And then you 
make that new list. We've always made it. We've never gone hungry. We've been homeless. We've never been homeless. And if you have been homeless, well, then you have to add something else to it. You know, but you, you want to put together as many historical facts as possible because your feelings are overwhelming. They're not the truth, but they're overwhelming, and they're connected to that thought that you have. So it has to be overwhelmed with truth, with truth. Now, the beautiful thing, which I don't frequently have in, in therapy, is the fact that you can just say, and in addition to that, we have the Bible and the truths of what the Bible said, and the truths of what the Bible said are more powerful than what I'm seeing in this physical world. So on top of the fact that there's these historical facts, there's also these scriptural truths that are God's will for my life, okay? And you make those a part of your life as well again and again and again and again. Now, it... And I'm, I'm speaking, if you, if you really, really, really are at that place where it's like, okay, I, I really need these directions here. What are they? Then it, it comes down to not only do you have to find the historical fact and the scriptural truths that go with it, but you have to envision yourself on the other end of the place because you have to connect those thoughts with an emotion, and if you can envision yourself in that level of freedom, if you can l- I- I imagine yourself with that promise that God has for you, you can create an expectation, an emotional expectation, along with the cognitive uh, expectation, and it will become much more powerful than the negative emotion that goes with the worrisome thought that you have from the thing that you're wanting to change. Okay, so we can have the, uh, the band, do we call it the band? The worship team, much more spiritual. Worship team come up while we're finishing, finishing up here. But it is, it, it, it is when, you, when it gets down to this, this ending point where you're taking this process, and this is, this is that place where the cognitive triangle begins to make a transition for you. It is taking that catastrophic thought and replacing it, substituting it, and that catastrophic thought is a distortion to begin with, but it's taking that distorted thought and having replacements that are credible, they're having replacements that are scriptural, and connecting them with an emotion, envisioning what it's going to be like to the best of your ability to create an emotion along with what is the truth rather than the catastrophic thought that we have been controlled by. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your will. Your will is good for all people, and we're so grateful for that. You are so good. Lord, I pray that uh, these driving directions that I've shared, uh, the best of my ability, Lord, I pray that you plant it in every person's heart, and when they need to uh, go in a different direction, it'll be clear to them as much as possible. God, we thank you that we thank you that you are all the while effectually at work in us. We're not on our own trying to make these changes, but you're working hard to help us to grow and to be the people that that you have created us to be. Lord, I pray that you just help us to uh, hear your voice, be led by your spirit, and accomplish your plan for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>